Oh my God, that is a really hard question. I feel like I bear all on social media. Oh my God, what would I want people to know? Um, that I, as a person, uh, oh God, this is a really hard question. Hi there, how's your week been? It's been quite an exciting one for me because I've been working on this podcast for a while. I'm really excited to share it with you. If you've ever followed me personally on Instagram, you will no doubt know that makeup artist Katie Jane Hughes is a major influence of mine. It's not just because she is amazing at makeup and working on the likes of Ashley Graham and Hayley Bieber. For me, it's always been the fact that she has this daily commitment to sharing her own makeup process, especially throughout lockdown. The creation of her hashtag, Normalized Skin Texture, and her willingness to reply to DMs. She's always been really open and just friendly, which with over half a million followers, you you wouldn't think that she would be obliged to even respond. Thankfully, she does. And while having her on the podcast has always been a goal of mine, I didn't really think it would happen even when she replied to my DM saying that she was open to it. I waited about a month or so. And then one day I was just like, if I want this to happen, I need to go to Katie because she was actually in the UK in her hometown of Southport. She's been here for a few months now. So I reached out and we arranged a date. While I might be at risk of fangirling, I just want to say one more time that I'm so grateful to Katie for giving this time. Her trip to her hometown of Southport has very much been about family, so I'm very aware that she took time, precious time out. In this episode, Katie pays homage to her mum, Jill's influence, and if you haven't checked out her mum's Instagram, it's mumstagram, funstagram, and they obviously have a really sweet relationship. Katie talks about the influence that her mum's singing career had on her and how she approached makeup. She talks about growing up as an awkward teenager from a small town and how she always wanted to push herself by leaving for, you know, kind of like the big city and the challenges that come with it. Katie also is quite honest about how she didn't enjoy school at all. She actually said she hated school and never felt that she excelled at it and often felt like the the odd one out. But today she's working with the likes of Revlon, Makeup Forever, Walida and so many more. And she also has her own makeup brush collection coming out with Spectrum very soon. She also talks about her first work experiences behind an Estee Lauder counter and how she thought she was really rocking a black lip liner and nude lipstick combo to her sister's wedding. Full disclaimer, we are recording this face-to-face at the Bliss Hotel in Southport, so you're definitely going to hear some of those noises that come along with being in a hotel. Regardless, I really hope you love this episode. Let me know. Welcome to the Beauty Me podcast. My name's Sharice Kenyon, and I've been writing about beauty for around 15 years. During that time, I've heard so many stories about how we approach beauty, our routines and the traditions that make us who we are. I wanted to create a space where I could discuss these rituals further with people from around the world. For me, it's all about beauty without the BS. So thank you so much. Is it Katie or Katie Jane? By it's the way? whatever you like. 
I my family call me Kate Katie. They also call me Crisp because I have a cheese and onion walkers obsession. That's the best flavor. It really is. And then do you remember Worcester sauce flavor? Oh my god, yeah. Tarek was obsessed with them and they discontinued them so he's heartbroken. So But they did french fries. They kept doing french oh. fries in Worcester sauce flavor. Oh my gosh. Remember those? I love when they do the limited edition flavors like mm. Peri Peri Nando's. Oh, I haven't tried them. <laughs> but that was my nickname when I was a kid because I used to come home every day Crispy. from school and sit in front of the TV and watch uh, Nickelodeon and basically <laughs> eat cheese and onion walkers and a lion bar uh, with a little heavier. Okay. Fact, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> you mentioned, you hinted at growing up just then. That's where I usually like to start with okay. the podcast. Obviously, you're a major name in the makeup space, but I want to go all the way back to your first memories of, of beauty even being this thing. Like, was it family TV? It was definitely my mom. She was a singer when she was working and she would like, so we're, we're in Southport right now, which is where I'm from. And my mom used to basically sing at all the like pubs and the clubs in our hometown. And she'd go further out too to like, you know, sometimes Birmingham, sometimes Newcastle, sometimes Abu Dhabi and, you know, all these different places. And the, the what makeup did for my mom as this mom of four at home all day until like 6 or 7 p.m. pretty much almost every now every like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday she'd go out to a gig and she'd just transform from this like you know mom at home hair a little bit all over the place to then this like back-combed goddess with this hair and this red lip and this like loads of mascara and loads of bronzer and she's you know definitely seeing my mom transform from that to that was 100% what educated me on what makeup was and what it could do and how transformative it was. And did, did your mum have, a, like, an alter ego? Did you feel like it almost was, like, her changing? I mean, when I put my mum on Instagram today, her alter ego is so apparent behind the scenes because she'll literally <laughs> be like this on her phone. And then I'll, like, put the phone on her and she'll go, hi. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, my God. She can just... <laughs> oh, she can turn it on. Oh, my God, she can turn it on. It's so funny to watch, like, behind the scenes. And that's why I'm like, mum, stop turning it on. I'm putting you on Instagram because I want people to see what we see. Mm. And so she's, yeah, but absolutely she can just like, it's like a switch. It's crazy. And she's obviously, she's got her own Instagram now, Mumpstagram, Funstagram. Mumpstagram, Funstagram. She's like, Katie, I'm at 1700 now. Katie, I've lost four followers this morning. I'm like, oh no. because you don't post nothing. She goes, (laughs) they're not going to bother with me when you're gone, are they? I says, well, no, probably not because you're not posting anything. <laughs> so when I go back to New York in a couple of weeks, I'm going to leave her with a little light and a little phone stand and, okay. and just uh, teach her what to do. Because she's uh, so good at like, she can literally put a red lip on without even looking in a mirror. She's like, Yeah, I saw that. Amazing. was the Chanel, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. It's really funny. You've talked about her influence, but when did you start playing with makeup yourself I was definitely like an awkward teenager I feel like most of us were but I was definitely my awkward teenager phase was just so all over the place I was like influenced by so many different things that I think that it was very 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 confusing what message I was trying to put out as far as who I was as a person and I think but going through that I feel like you have to go through these things to kind of land on something that you feel like is you but then I think we're always evolving anyway so um I think for me I started probably wearing and playing with makeup when I was like 13 14 maybe and just really you know, messing about with it. And I remember one of my first jobs at out of school was at like a beauty counter. I think it was a Estee Lauder beauty counter. And I just like shoved my fingers in. And this is so like horrendous now to even think about based on what we're going through mm. with COVID and stuff. But I would literally just stick my fingers in these eyeshadows and sweep them on my eye and just like <laughs> had all these colors happening. And um, yeah, I just I just was like very uninhibited by it. Or that's the right, I don't know if that's the right mm. word. I was just like, you know, I just didn't care. I just wanted mm. to get it all on my face. 
what are the things that you tried on the way? You said, you know, you were kind of oh, torn yeah. in different... this is good. <laughs> Skinny eyebrows okay. were the one that I regret the most in the sense that I do wish I could see what my natural brows would be like today. But they never grew back because I was trying to be Gwen Stefani or something like that from back then. I don't know who I was. I don't know who I was influenced by, but I just remember vividly sitting in front of a mirror once with my best friend Tamsin as when we were kids, and I would just take a tweezer and I would literally just yank out about Everything. five or six hairs at one time, and I just like yeah, I was like hacking them out. It was horrendous. It's like so brutal to think about, and <laughs> they were just like, "What are you doing?" So that I wish that, like, I could go back on. Mm -hmm. But I also am grateful for the fact that I've got this, like, no shape now because I can do whatever shape I want on any given Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Like, Tuesday could be one shape, Wednesday could be another. So mm -hmm. that's also kind of a kind of a cool thing. But, um, yeah, I think I think the brow, the brow phase, I think when my sister got married, I was 16. My sister was 21 or 22. I had black lip liner on and a nude lipstick okay wasn't really and she was good. cool with that no she was like you better not wear them witch lips down my on my wedding day i was like i look amazing i'm gonna wear them and i wasn't that scarce i don't mind putting it on but like i was like i'm gonna do it and i did and the pictures are oh my god oh my god oh, skinny eyebrows big eye oh, it was a, it was a look not a cute one and they had these ringlets that didn't drop out the hairdresser was like Those let's do ones. the curl and they just did not drop i was like okay that's fine. And they were like, and they were all the wrong way around. They weren't like coming out. They were coming the crispy. in. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> there were some moments. But you've got to go through these moments to land on a, a happy place, hopefully. Yeah. So when do you think it was that you found your your look or style or, or just your approach to makeup, really? Um, I, I don't even know whether I've still found it because I feel <laughs> like we're always like changing. Mm. I think I, I think... When I think back to my time whilst I was at Space NK, when I was working as assistant to makeup artists in London, I definitely was refining it in that time and figuring out like, you know, what kind of products I like to create these things and figuring out like, like, oh, wow, yeah, you don't need to wear full coverage foundation over the entire face. It was definitely in my assisting days that you learn all these things and being on set, you learn so much more about your personal makeup style because you're applying so many different things on so many different mm. people and having the exposure to all these different products and it really is that's what i do i do feel like often i post a photograph on instagram that doesn't necessarily have a caption associated to it or even uh sorry product lists because okay. it's not about that it's about being inspired it's about me sharing a look to hopefully inspire somebody to say oh wow i've got everything i've got colors that look like this i can mm. go into my makeup bag right now and create that and it's funny because just the other day somebody said, oh, please start writing more of the products that you use on your photographs. And I was like, sure, I could, but it's not really about that for me. Like, yeah, of course, I'm a content create. I'm a content creator through my work as a makeup artist. But for me, I want to inspire people and educate mm. people first before anything else. Mm. The, say this, the product purchasing element should be very much a last resort, even with an ad concept of a, p of a piece of content, because we should always use what we've got. And if you just happen to want to feel like you want to shop, then that's a different story. Yeah. But that's why sometimes it's good to me to not always be like, product, 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 because, you know, we've all got loads of yeah. stuff. But it is trial and error, so much stuff too, so it can it can, it can get hard. Are you in your position? Because I know that the average person at home that buys makeup has a drawer of stuff that they do not ever, ever use. Oh, my sister's got that drawer. Okay. <laughs> I also have that drawer, and my version of that drawer is like a, two suitcases full, of course. Cause, oh, my gosh. Well, what I have – so in New York, I have two cabinets that are kind of my backstock cabinets that 
when I'm shooting uh, editorial, I'll go to that and I'll pull things. Because, like, I have my kits for my jobs. Are, I have my Doom and Go bag, which is pretty much exclusively for Ashley Graham because she's with Revlon. I have a contract mm. with Revlon, so it's all my Revlon stuff for her. And then her skincare favorites, basically. Yeah. So that's one of my kits. Another of my kit, And then I have backstock of all of that stuff in case, like, we're on a shoot where um, I need to leave some of the stuff with, with, the, with the crew to be able to shoot B-roll with mm. afterwards or whatever. So mm-hmm. I have backstock of pretty much everything that's in all of my kits, and I've wow. got three kits. So I have, wow. I have to have a lot of stuff at mine, but it's all uh, organized. <laughs> I guess it has please, to be. It pleases me. My Anna Monica comes out and I'm like, mm, but I don't keep anything that's been discontinued from the brand because if something's fair. been discontinued, if I then talk about it on Instagram or if I use it in an editorial, what the heck am I even going to tell people yeah. to do it? You can't get that. Yeah, again, it defeats the thing, what I was saying earlier about yeah. inspiration, but sometimes people do want to go buy it and if they mm. can't get it at all, then it's annoying. So yeah, it's frustrating. That's, it's, you know, and that's a lot of stuff that comes through the mail in the sense of like, PR mailers that would be holiday limited edition stuff just don't make the long term yeah, cut yeah, of yeah. the stock because they're just not I know they're going to be in and out versus permanent collection what was your so was your first job for Estee Lauder first makeup job was Estee Lauder in a counter or in a store on our local high street oh really yeah and then where did you go from there from there well I kind of did so it was either going to be music or makeup for me it was going to be one or the other my mom being a musical person I also sing a little bit for fun not really yes I've seen <laughs> sometimes I'll let it, let it, let it rip on Instagram so I was like I'm talking about something else um, I it was going to be one or the other for me and mm. I was like whichever one just naturally progresses more mm. I, I'll be happy with so um with with that, I kind of had a little bit of a wine bar kind of local gig thing in my hometown where I'd go, okay. you know, take my mom's gear and go set up a little thing and sing in my local, like, restaurant or whatever. Um, that lasted all of, like, six months to a year. And then when I moved down to London in 2008, I started working at um, Space and K and sort of worked there and just sort of worked my way up, really, and assisted working at Space and K. That is honestly... The recommendation that I would have for anybody wanting to get into a fashion space or an editorial mm, space or mm-hmm. a celebrity space is get your foot into the door at a store where you can be practicing makeup on people from all walks of life, all different skin tones, all different age groups, all day long in your day job. And yeah. then assist when you get the opportunity to. You have to obviously have to live in a city where there is a fashion industry or a celebrity-derived industry um, and just sort of, you know, work your way up the ranks. So were you very driven yourself or was there someone that's ever been in your life that's kind of like guided you along um, that path? You know, my, I, definitely like it was very much my, uh, the motive was from me to myself to move to London and like mm-hmm. get out of our small town. Not because there's anything wrong with being in a small town. I just knew that I couldn't do what I wanted to do here um, to the level that I, you know, that I'm still working towards, I guess. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was funny. I remember that when my mom drove me to London, when I first moved down to London, I lived in a little flat in Kennington with these two banker lads from, like, from, obviously, the banking world. Canary Wharf? I lived with these two lads from, from Canary Wharf, and I lived with them for literally about two months before. Then I met Tarek, and we basically moved in together about a month after wow. that. It was all very, very fast, but we've been married 12 years, so what can I say? Um, so, yeah, like, it all kind of happened really weirdly quick but yeah all I'm very much one of those people that I'm very good at going with the flow I used to be very very good at going the flow and just kind of working through stuff as it happens now I'm a little bit more I like to plan a little tiny Mm. bit more Mm -hmm. Uh, but actually Tariq doesn't which is kind of cool because then you know yeah. yeah but 
I just kind of push myself to just always want to be away from mm. here. Um, and I love my hometown and where I'm from and the fact that I was raised here. But I love what a city has done for me also because it's mm. changed me in a way that's like, it makes you, when you come from a small town, everybody knows each other. Everybody's in each other's pockets. It's a bit more, you know, there's a different energy. You move away, all that stuff becomes so trivial and so, like, silly that you don't even sweat the small shit anymore. You don't, you know, it's like, I read a quote once, that if something isn't going to matter in five years, then don't spend longer than five minutes worrying about it. And, like, it's that mentality. You don't think, you brush stuff off much more when yeah. you live in a big city. Yeah. And to be able to apply that when I'm home really helps with just other things that you deal with, like, whatever it is. Yeah. You didn't initially as well as makeup you started in nails i did so what where did that come in well so my mom being a singer and always being glam she would get a blow dry once a week she would get her nails done once every two weeks um she would have these gorgeous big long sexy acrylics and they were always (laughs) done to perfection and so i was very much a primary school dropout a high school dropout a college dropout and everything dropout i'm just not academic in any sense of the word like i just hated school in with every fiber of my being. I don't think school is bad. It just wasn't for me. I'm just mm. not, I was never, I never excelled in school. I always felt like the odd one out and I always felt like I struggled with stuff that the teachers didn't necessarily, the teachers that I had didn't necessarily, I, I didn't feel like I was supported. I mm. just felt like I was kind of made to feel a bit more on clever or whatever. Really? Yeah, it just, school wasn't a good experience for me. I was like picked on, I feel like everybody was picked on at school in some capacity anyway, but school just was shit for me. So I was just like, I'm, I'm just done and, I was the baby of the family, so I definitely had a bit of a an upper hand in that sense because I would <laughs> be able to, you know, I don't know. I think when you were the baby of the family, you definitely get coddled a little bit more. Yes. And so, like, you know, being miserable at school was an easy way for me to just say, Mom, I don't want to be at school anymore. Can I just get homeschooled? So I got homeschooled. And because I didn't really graduate with any qualifications as such, you know, my mom said, why don't you go get a job in a nail shop? and learn how to do nails and work your way up and and just have that craft. My dad's a builder. My mom's a singer. We're all very self-employed. We're we're a very self-employed kind of get your foot in the door, work your way up type of family. Um, None of us are like college, super university educated people, Uh, but it's not held any of us back really. But um, we, that was the reason for me getting into nails. So I went to do this nail job, did that for a couple of years, left, did my own thing sort of in my front room at my mom's house with a couple of clients. And then, just sort of, you know, learnt, learnt that world. And basically, when I moved down to London, it was really helpful because it enabled me to get my foot in the door in the fashion industry through that medium of nails because with without that, I would have just gone straight in as a makeup assistant, which is fine. But what I had, what gave me the upper hand of the nails was I was on these big, big jobs with, you know, big photographers and big models and big singers and big act, actors and actresses and being able to, knowing that I wanted to pursue makeup, I wouldn't necessarily talk about the fact that I was mm. also pursuing makeup on these jobs, but okay. it gave me a very front row, up front center kind of seat on these jobs where I was eventually going to be that role as a makeup artist. So it kind of gave me a bit, like a fly on the wall, kind of bird's eye view of what it is that I was, you know, aiming toward. Mm. Um, so for Nails really was my stepping stone to doing this. Um, the only thing that Nails did hold me back from was I never really got that opportunity to be somebody's first assistant for a long period of time because because I was because I was getting recognition and getting you know booked as a nail tech in in London. So much of that work, 
and the money of that work took priority mm. over me assisting because me getting a rate for myself as a nail tech was more of me getting a rate as an assistant. And obviously you used our bill to pay. So that kind of took precedent. And sometimes it would be a benefit where like a makeup artist would be like, oh, um, I need an assistant. Get that girl that can do nails because she can do nails. Cool. Sometimes there was no nail tech on the job, uh, which was cheeky from a production standpoint. But <laughs> it happens. Um, so yeah, nails was like, it's it's something I don't talk about much because I feel like I left it behind. Mm. I moved to New York to completely rebrand myself as a makeup mm-hmm. artist. And I think doing that made me, I, if, I, if I hadn't moved to London, if I hadn't moved to New York, I don't think I'd have been able to rebrand as quickly as really? I did. Well, because I moved to complete new cities. And even though I did do a little bit of nails in New York, I moved to New York with a role for a beauty brand that also had makeup. So it was that like perfect transition okay. sort of through. Why New York and why rebrand? New York because my husband's American and so I had a green card I now have a passport but at the time I had a green card and at the time when I was in London I was finding it really really hard to get a look in at any jobs for makeup because I had already branded myself so much as a nail technician so I was like okay how am I going to get out of this box that I've put myself in as a nail tech it's move away and refresh and start start fresh-ish you know I went there with a brand and with a with a with a job, I went there as an ambassador for a beauty brand, and so that helped. But slowly, but slowly, as I left that position, I started to just let nails become less and less uh, of a of a priority mm. as far as jobs, as far as what I was posting on social media, and now, and social media really really helped in my rebrand for sure. So, how long ago do you think that was, and when you first really got into using social? Social media for me came like a huge part of my everyday and my like work and life probably in 2000 uh, I think I first got onto the app in about 2013 Mm -hmm. Um, a friend of mine in Chicago Jen was like you should be on this app because this is like perfect for you because I guess what I was posting back then I was probably putting on Facebook or something I don't know Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did so thanks Jen Um, (laughs) she um, and she and, and ever since then I just remember posting like nail stuff and and whatnot and then yeah it just kind of that's what I love about Instagram is it's your own little personal, you know, sort of editorial scrapbook that you can put whatever you want on. And I slowly sort of crafted it to what it is today. And it, you know, it's continually evolving. Sometimes I'll post more makeup. Sometimes I'll post a bit of lifestyle, a bit of like personal stuff. But I think that, you know, without social media, I don't think that many people, I don't, I don't think that I, I don't think I would have had some of the opportunities that have been given mm. without social media. Like so many of my celebrity clients found me on social media. So many of the brands that I work with found me through social media. So I definitely think that it is uh, an opportunity to grow and to expand your work, your work and your relationships. But how do you manage the whole, obviously you find it really useful, but have you ever had a time where you're kind of monitoring the likes and monitoring the interaction? Oh or? God, daily still. Like yeah. I don't, you know, I, uh, there is definitely a mental health element that comes with being on social media so frequently and having growth because it, it plays with your mind. It plays with you a little bit because mm. you have this growth spurt or you have this like engagement spurt and then you're like, oh my God, this is so great. This was really well received. And it's not because you want likes or you want engagement. You genuinely just want to feel as though what you are putting out into the world is being seen. And that's it. And that's the, and it, you know, normally if it's being seen and the people that are following you are seeing it, then they'll engage with it because they're following you for a reason. But the whole Instagram thing and the algorithm and, you know, how they prioritize different. And again, I don't really know because I'm not obviously an Instagram employee, but how people 
I think we're kind of led to believe that there is certain algorithm, you know, tweaks mm, and shifts here and there. And, if you just catch that. Yeah, and like, you know, oh, what's well, the perfect time to pay, perfect time of day to post? And, oh, is it better to post once a day? Is it better to post once a week? Is it better to post five times a day? Like, there's a, a friend of a friend that I'm friendly with on Instagram who's an influencer who was, was a model, mm-hmm. posts five times a day on Instagram. And that, like, but then she's got a whole team of production people behind right. her that's creating all of this stuff daily. Yeah. And, like, that's what I'm kind of trying to get Tarek to move towards to help me a little bit more with that stuff because mm-hmm. he's a video guy and that's, like, comes Perfect. so natural to him. Yeah, yeah. But there is a lot, there is definitely a lot of stress that come with it. But then it's like any job where you have, you know, influence in your voice and it's a bigger job because the platform grows, then it becomes more responsibility. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a mental side of it that definitely, that I grapple with on like a, at least a monthly basis. Really? Just, yeah. And it's, but I, you get through it. You just got to be like, okay, it's not me. It's the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. It's just interesting that you, because obviously you've, I honestly feel like through lockdown, your followers went skyrocketed. For the first couple of months when, so when my last day at work was the 13th of March uh, for Make It Forever in New York. After that point, I we almost canceled. I almost kind of wasn't sure about doing that job because it was like right as like mm-hmm. everything was built, built in New York, but we did it and we kept everything pretty distanced within the space that we had. And, you know, we normally at events I'm like hugging everybody and mm. like you know spending really good like amount of time with people mm. afterwards but we kind of just kept it more formal for that yeah, one for yeah. the sake of everybody yeah um and then after that point I just came home I had this very 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 rigid routine mm-hmm. that just happened I think mm. it was my coping mechanism honestly of not being able to go out really outside or not being able to go to set and I would wake up every day I would do my routine have a cup of coffee use a bathroom put my makeup on on camera and do it and then take a picture and it was like it was right. like military kind yeah. of precision and I think that, that helped my engagement of course because the more precise you are in posting the yeah. better yeah. Um, it, it's you know so that and also I think that if you if people know you for makeup and they expect to see makeup you post more makeup yeah, if yeah. people know you for fashion and you start posting you know about dogs then it might not going to be yeah. you know so I think that there's part of that that's in it too but um yeah, it's it was really interesting how that first couple of months of lockdown was mm. kind of boosting for a lot of people, I found, actually. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people grew. More people were on their phones. Oh, gosh. I I think I heard that um, even in apps were on them like 25% more oh because there's just no, you're not going anywhere. We're touching our phones even more yeah. often and just staying yeah. on even longer. And we're also editing our pictures for even longer. We're spending more time. I Actually, it's funny. I'm finding... At first, the first couple of months of lockdown, I was like in this zone of just like, I knew what my lighting was like. I knew what my this was and everything was just like perfectly, Mm -hmm. like perfectly done. Mm. And then now when I came to the UK, it it took me like a good two or three weeks to get into a bit of a flow because things change. Even even if I had the identical light setup in one room in New York and another room here, the fact that there's a window in that room mm-hmm. changes changes things and you know how far my lights are to me and the way that the desk is positioned it's all different mm-hmm. and i think because i apparently women have a different we have well this isn't on the subject of this but it's on the subject of color apparently women are better color graders yeah. than men because we have a different yeah. kind of receptive to yeah. color based on Tarek thinks that it's something to do with in the olden days, something to do with blueberry picking or blackberry picking. It, I'll let Tarek confirm that story because <laughs> I'm talking complete crap. But apparently women are better at color grading. So yeah, therefore yeah. I feel like maybe we're different. We we see 
detail yeah 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 and so it, that kind of thing trips me up for days and i can't get past okay. it it puts me in like a weird creative funk okay if my lighting isn't right yeah isn't yeah right. yeah so would you say you're quite a perfectionist when it comes to your work yeah i would i would say i'm a perfectionist when it comes to my work with with what i like to put out there like i don't want my photos to look perfect i want mm. them to look well lit i want them to look i want everything to look true to what it really looks like i don't want to create anything that's not really there mm-hmm. um i.e smooth invisible pause because that's not real and everybody has pause mm-hmm. and you know my responsibility as a you know makeup artist that works in the space that I work in on Instagram is to show what real skin is supposed to look like. Mm. And I'm blessed with pretty decent skin and my mom's got great skin. My dad's got good skin, but still, I think it's still important to bring light to, you know, mm. how skin should look instead of blurring everything away. And also that's like absolutely against everything I um, everything yeah. I believe as a makeup artist. If I, if I was on set and then those pictures came back and that model absolutely was like blended and blurred into oblivion, like I'd be so upset and that would not want to go anywhere near my portfolio. So it stems from that. It's yeah. The fashion industry, like, you know, cool. Yeah. It's hard for me to describe, like, I don't think it's like a Katie Jane Hughes look. I think you've got away with makeup. Maybe that's the thing but how do you what would you say to someone because you know we talk about social media so much there's a lot of makeup artists yes. out there there's a lot of budding makeup artists out yep. there how would you advise someone to go about using social and maintaining their core like their core values or their style without wanting um, to do what everybody else is doing I would say I mean of course there's a lot of people taking inspiration from other people I would say when you are really, really stuck in a rut, like, yeah, it's okay to just try something that is a literal version of just to try and push yourself out of a zone and, of course, pay credit where it's due when you know mm-hmm. the crea- where the creative inspiration has come from. Um, but I do think that there is an element... I think there's something really beautiful and really special about, like, what I like to do when I'm in a creative rut or when I'm trying to find my... If I've lost my way a little bit on social mm-hmm. media, which happens because you do get in that way, I like to kind of pick a product... And like, let's say it's this coffee cup. <laughs> I like to pick a product and I just don't think about what the end look is going to be at all. I don't think about what the end, I don't know what's going to happen. And I just start with one product. And then once I've done with that product, I'll pick up another product organically. Just every single mm. product is just organically brought into the mix versus me saying I'm going to use that, 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 that. Because you'll end up being more creative with the look if that's the case versus if you, it's almost like, the difference with going through life with everything laid out in front of you, yeah. there's no room for anything exciting to happen yeah. because you've planned everything out. If you kind of just go through life with these, you know, unforeseen kind of moments, it's the same with makeup. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really philosophical and really deep, but it's kind of like a really fun way to play and be creative because you are really just letting things happen as they happen. And it's fun. And if it doesn't work out and you don't like the way it looks, then just take it off. Here's some soap. <laughs> but like at the same time, like it probably will be great because you deep down, if you are a creative person, it's there. You just you you're mentally putting there's a mental block there that you just mm. need to get past. And that is my way of getting past it. And that's actually how I like to work most of the time when I have a job with a client and they give me a mood or a vibe and they'll show me a dress or an outfit or a you know, whatever. I kind of just do it one product at a time. Mm. Do you remember the first makeup job that made you feel like, yeah, this is this is me, like 100%? Um, the first makeup job, I mean, I feel like that about all of them still mm, today because I just really? love what I do. And I think 
that and I also I want to keep having that feeling because I feel like it's that like when you feel like you've achieved everything you're not going to ever achieve more yeah. the job though that I feel like probably gave me the most butterflies was in London sorry in New York um there's a, a fashion house called Libertine uh, I did the show for Makeup and Nails for New York Fashion Week and it was at Lincoln uh-huh. Center and we like a bunch of my nail tech uh, team was there and then my makeup team was there and at the hair and makeup test you basically like you know the sorry the the designer and the stylist kind of give you a mood to give you a vibe you see the clothes you do a little you know you, de- you demonstrate what you think you should do um and it was these long black nails with all these different colored kind of crystals all over them and then the makeup was this big black smoky eye with like kind of a sequin under the eye and it was like really cool and edgy and beautiful and i think the amount of like prep work that went into it probably helped what i'm about to tell you happen but like when when we all kind of walked from backstage and my team were sitting there like kind of what waiting for me to come out after keying keying that show at uh, lincoln center i just burst into like tears i was just like oh, i'm so happy i'm proud of myself and thank you all for your help and it was just like such a moment that i was like this is awesome and it was one of them that is probably the most key moment that i can remember mm-hmm. that i was the most proud of of like putting in the work mm-hmm. and then getting out the the you know that feeling i've been a fan of yours for a long time and, you know, sometimes I'll pop into what you do in your lives and stuff and there'll be trolls in there. Oh, yeah. And you're you're very good at just, like, moving past things. Is that part of you or is it something that you've learned because of social media? Um, I think it's something that I've learned through social media as mm-hmm. well as being bullied at school. Like, That's being what I wondered bullied if at school, linked. yeah, like... I just remember when I was bullied at school, I was bullied at school because my hair was curly and frizzy and all over the place and I was bullied because of my style and whatever it was. But the more I, you know, that that learning curve that you learn by just not not showing any um, emotion to it, it's that's what people do. They You show emotion to it and then they do it even more because that's what they're doing it for is a reaction. Mm-hmm. So that helps. But sometimes I do get like really pissed off and I'll just like yell at the person that's giving me like some kind of shit on Instagram. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I know that that's probably just like some random person yeah. and they're just there. Miserable or, probably. Yeah. Or, or not even, or maybe even a bot. Like I don't even yeah. know bots can even get on Instagram live. But you know, like sometimes I'm just like, no. You can't just come onto somebody's live and just start saying "ew" or "ugly" or whatever because, like, and and also like it's that's me in my way of saying to my audience that's watching, don't take shit from people. It's not mm. me really giving anything yeah. to these trolls yeah, or these yeah, yeah. whatever's. It's me kind of saying this is what I would do if I was actually in a situation. You fight, stand up for yourself. Mm. I love to know about people's daily routines, and when I say daily routines, oh I'm it's. It's everything. It's the drinks. It's the skincare. So can you tell me what you do from like the minute you wake up? Okay. So you open your eyes. What do you do? Check my phone. So bad. I check my phone. I take my, I take my thyroid tablet. I've got a thyroid disease called Hashimoto. So I take my th- thyroid tablet uh, with a glass of water. And then I wait about half an hour. Then I have a cup of coffee and espresso probably. Then I maybe eat a banana. Then I maybe check Instagram some more. <laughs> then I probably do some content on myself or I like cue a post for that day or something mm. like that. Um, and then I like go through my, I actually answer DMs a lot of the time when I'm in the morning mm. mode. Uh, and then when I'm doing my stuff on Instagram, it all depends on what I'm, it changes every day depending on what I'm doing. So 
for the most part, I'll kind of get on Instagram, I'll put my phone in my tripod, I'll put on a top that makes sense for the bloody white balance craziness <laughs> yeah. in the phone, um, and then I'll just sort of go, and then that's it, the day. If I don't have that morning routine, I have a cup of coffee, then I, I miss a step. I have a cup of coffee, I go to the bathroom. <laughs> then, then, um, then I'll do content and then I'll just sort of the day will flow and then I kind of if I can get some content done in the morning my day mm. always goes better than if I forget or if I don't because it's almost like that's my if somebody needs to read the paper or read a book or meditate in the morning me getting on Instagram and doing a little bit of content that day is my version of that really? it's me feeling like I've done that bit of work not I say work but it's not work to me it's me feeling like I've given because you know, even though my Instagram is for the people, you know, viewing, it's also very much for me. It's my meditation and it's mm. my creative energy, like being, you know, thrust into the world through a phone. Mm. And it's, if I don't do that, I feel a little bit stagnant for that day. Right. Um, and some days, like, I don't do anything at all. And that those days are fine, too. But, you know, I definitely have a more productive day if I hit the ground running as soon as I wake up. If okay. I kind of start slow, then the day is slow for the rest I'm of the, the day. the same. I'll be like, well start again tomorrow yeah yeah 100%. don't know why and yeah. i'm done by two o'clock i'm like don't try and get anything yeah. creative funny, out of me yeah i do that too i have to just do everything in the morning when you do your lives or when you just jump on stories and start doing your makeup you often do your skincare then yeah. i'm trying is there ever i was basically trying to get all your skincare stuff I but you kind of do it on camera don't you i do it all on camera and i basically well essentially my day starts the night before i go to bed okay so like the, the, my day really starts at like nine or ten o'clock the evening before with a proper good cleanse most of the time if I am feeling luxurious <laughs> I'll do like you know an Elemis cleansing balm or mm. like a Ren cleansing moment or even just a whatever whatever it might be and if I it, because I don't cleanse in the morning I just do that at night and then yeah. I just tone or mist or exfoliate a little bit the next day um, so yeah it starts then really is that something that you picked up for yourself? Or did someone tell you about that, that whole tone, so, just toning in the morning? Uh, I read an article once that Salma Hayek washes her face before she goes to bed and she does not wash her face in the morning because the natural oils that develop on her skin when she sleeps are beautiful under her makeup. And I tried it once and I was like, this is genius. I am so doing this. And okay. of course, if you use toners or exfoliators in the morning mm. off your makeup, you're taking a little bit of the, that yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not over-cleansing. And I definitely think there is something to over-cleansing that is a bit bad yeah. for our skin. Yeah. But everybody's different. Like, minimal cleansing for me is mm -hmm. good if I do too much my skin freaks out right. I need a little bit of everything versus loads of it so what are the products for you that no matter what no matter what you're being sent no matter what maybe you're promoting what are the skincare products that you always tend to go back to uh well later skin food always like that is one product that I've used for probably 10 years now that I now have a, a like a work relationship mm. with the brand purely because of my organic use of it, which mm. is the best way a partnership can happen, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, well, Lady Skin Food is just like my hero product for everything. It's like you've got a little bit of burn or if you've got a little bit of a dry patch or whatever. Um, so that product for sure, um, I kind of chop and change between which, but a good lip balm, like a really good emollient, rich, thick, shiny lip balm, like mm -hmm. Summer Fridays is really good. I really love that one. Mm -hmm. um, and then a the, those are the two things that like I have and a cleansing balm those are the three things that I have to have in my routine okay because I can use a little of the Willita skin food or a lot and get all these different finishes out of it yeah. so you know and then obviously an exfoliator 
I'm like, and then obviously this, and then obviously that, and then, and then this. It's funny because I do such a different routine daily depending on what my That's what I'm needs. thinking. Yeah, but I like that. It feels like you're kind of like trying yeah, to be intuitive. Yeah. yeah, and instead of like, you know, I don't know, I feel like that's why people people often DM me and be like, oh, what should I do for this? What should I do for that? And I'm like, well, I don't know what your skin needs, so I can't really tell you. If I told you, I'll be mm. lying to you, and that's not right. So they'll, they'll be like, oh, what should I get for this? And I'm like, well, tell me more about you first. And yeah, try yeah, and yeah. Guide. But yeah, I think it's just good to see what see what you need as and when you need it. So when it comes to makeup, yes, if you because obviously you you've been traveling for a little while. Well, you've been in the UK for a little while, Three months, but yeah. you live in New York. Yeah. Was it easy for you to like break down essentials, or did you just bring everything? No. Well, when I traveled here, I obviously being on Instagram. Thankfully, I was still working for uh, the. I was still part-time working in the sense mm. of social media mm-hmm. um obviously not being on set i had instagram which i was so grateful for and that's why i'm like so pro other artists getting on instagram as a platform mm. because it is a really good way to stay in the stay in the game if shoots aren't happening and whatnot so um what i traveled with was things that i needed to travel with based on uh contractual obligations coming up from brand partnerships so i travel with my Willada bits my revlon bits and so on and so forth and then i just carried a bunch of supplementary things that i just mm-hmm. wanted to elaborate with uh, or just mix into my routine and then a lot of stuff i called in when i was in the uk just from pr pr brands because some brands that i can't even get some brands that you can't get in the u.s like yeah yeah here, and so on and so forth so i've definitely i came home with one medium like a makeup bag about this big and now I think I've got like three tables worth of stuff (laughs) for three months because things just come yeah um yeah so if I had to let's say all of that stuff just gets lost somewhere I don't know but you managed to retrieve three things what are the three things you would keep uh brow flick from Glossier Okay. A good red lip because I can do a bit of an eye with that a bit of a lip and a bit of a cheek and probably a concealer because then the concealer can become, become my mixing medium for that red lip. Okay. And then you can create all these different things within. And like my brow flick could double as an eyeliner if I really needed it to. We need to talk about the lip liner and it's it's gone out of my head. Endless yeah. cacao. Endless cacao. Tell me why you love this so much because I keep thinking, shall I get that? Shall I get that? I think you'd need a slightly darker shade, which I've got. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll drive past my house on the way back and I'll get you one. But mm. it's basically, the thing that I love about it is... For fair to me, fair to fair light medium skin tones, it is the perfect, slightly ashy color that helps to neutralize. If I've put a lipstick on, if I've got an eye on, mm. and I'm like, oh, I don't want lip to do with this. Any kind of lip that I'm going to put on is going to feel like it's going to detract, and it's like, oh, which mm. one's the focus? That lip liner just pulls the lip back just enough. It neutralizes that pink or that peach or that red just enough so that it's not the focus mm. anymore. Because mm. I don't want the focus to be either or. I want the focus to be either or, not both. Yeah. Unless I am just going for like all or nothing. <laughs> um, and also the fact that it, um, it it does two things. It neutralizes a little bit the color that you've got on and it provides a little bit of a contrast from my skin and the lip color so that, because for me, if I'm wearing a neutral, it's probably going to be a pink or a nude or a peach or something, which isn't that far away from my skin tone. Mm-hmm. So I want that little bit of a contrast so that it feels a little bit more like I've got a lip on, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it does kind of two things. It's kind of crazy. It's really, I just love how it's, the, it's, the, it's, it's always, <laughs> it's like a little knob in it. But yeah, like, um, what's your favorite lip liner? Oh gosh. What do you have on now? This is Charlotte Tilbury, Foxy Brown. Ooh. Um, which is a, a, probably a much darker version yeah, yeah. of Ernest Cacao. It's great. got that grayish brown. Yeah. Yep. When do you feel you're most you? 
Honestly, for me, it's like two times. It's mm-hmm. two opposite ends of the spectrum. And one is when I've got like the most amount of makeup on and I feel like TV glam. But like fresh TV glam, not like cakey TV glam. Um, like liner, bit of a lash, everything. And the other is honestly when I've just washed my face and my skin just looks really good. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's in the summer and my freckles are out. Like those two. Because they're two versions of myself. One is like my most like at home chill. The other one is my like alter ego where I'm like at work or I'm on but I also feel like myself I keep saying this thing like where I, I'm like really experimenting with fashion in my 30s and like really playing up like the 80s moments mm-hmm. of clothing and I, keep, I I used a caption the other day which I actually think is really relevant to who I am today mm-hmm. and it's I played dress up and met myself because I like played dress up in these like really old vintage clothes but I felt like the most me that I've ever felt in these like big shoulders and big I think because I had confidence issues as a teenager like a lot mm. still do I think we all do I think we all go through life with different through different places and waves and stuff and I think that big shoulders and big clothes and like strong silhouettes mm. really help me feel like I'm here and I've arrived and like yeah. this is my power moment and it could be a dress it could be something really feminine but if it's got a strong shoulder happening then it's like that's my comfort I love that or a big pair of pants yes you love your big pants so obviously we know you've got over half a million followers on Instagram and a lot more people will know about you, but what is the one thing, is there one thing that you would love to let your followers know about you that perhaps they ha- they don't know? Oh my God, that is a really hard question. I feel like I bear all on social media. Oh my God, what would I want people to know? Um, that I, as a person, uh, oh god this is a really hard question um, do you think you have an answer or is it just no is it I mean I, I have an answer but I, I can't choose I'm, I'm a Libra so there's always two answers mm. from, with me and there's That's like fine. always two sides of a yeah. two sides of the thing mm. I think for me like I would want people to know that I'm like I'm like oh my god that's a really hard question because I feel like there's so many things I would want to say but mm. it's not just one thing um, I think if people know one thing about me that they don't already know today, it would be that I'm I'm like a sensitive, even though I might not seem it, I'm quite a sensitive person. And I just want everybody to be friends and I just want everybody to get along. And I just want everybody to be included. And I just want everything to be like, I think we're like, we all want that. I just, you know, it's, I think if 2020 has taught us anything that like we all just need to be there for each other a lot more because like the findings that we've, you know, found out about governments and current Black Lives Matter movements. Like, we all just need to be more open to one another and look out for each other. And, like, I think that if I can do that in my message from social media in any kind of way, then I've done my bit. Thanks so much for listening. Take a minute to like, subscribe, perhaps share the episode with someone that you think will be interested And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast. Or you can follow my personal account, which is at Sharice.Kenyon. Feel free to slide into the DMs with any feedback or suggestions for future guests. And I'll see you next week.